the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Remain calm. It's Rob Black sitting in for CFP Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. How do you remain calm in these markets? Well, you start seeing that they're calming down in and of themselves in some sectors. The volatility is. The Fed issued an emergency cut yesterday. It didn't work. There were some in the financial media world that were downright mad at the Fed. The week before when the markets were getting clobbered, no Fed. And they said as much that they didn't think there was an economic slowdown. They just thought stocks were overreacting. They didn't say that, but they said they implied that. Over the weekend, no Fed cuts. No G7 movement as far as coming up with some sort of plan that is tied towards government spending versus interest rates, monetary policy going lower. So the Fed on Tuesday, boom, shakalaka, um, cut rates. They issued an emergency cut. I think what was implied there was that they think the risks got a little bit crazier in the previous five or six days. We've started seeing some data out on the coronavirus that it tends to double every six days. So we're starting to see a little bit of a statistical slowdown in China. But that begs the question of, do we trust China? I'm one of those people that... I don't think I buy into conspiracy theories, but you watch enough movies and you, you see enough government cover-ups in life, and you put it together and go, eh, we don't trust China. But then today, Italy comes out and says they're shutting down schools and universities for two weeks. If that comes to the United States, I think we have another leg down. But I think we're a month away from saying those Fed rate cuts are going to help a lot. Fed rate cuts takes about four to six months to bleed into the system. They will. We will see lower mortgage rates. They will. We will see more corporate bond issuance. People will willing, be willing to take borrow money for almost nothing. But now we're seeing the 10-year Treasury get down to under 1%. And that still tells me there's another shoe to fall. You want to see that 10-year Treasury work back up to one5 And then even then, it's still incredibly low. It's very accommodative to stock market appreciation. I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel pretty good saying it. I do know it's true. I I shouldn't say that. Historically, you've been rewarded for investing in stocks when the 10-year treasury is under 3.5-4%. And then over 3.5-4%, you've been rewarded for investing in bonds. This has created, oh no, I'm a flood. This has created quite a conundrum. (laughs) I love it. The conundrum being, 
low interest rates good for the stock market, good for creating wealth for people who already have it. Now, there has been some great uh, equalizers, apps like Robinhood, where anyone can buy stocks at any cost, with no cost. And you could buy one share. You buy half a share. So, But the conundrum is, as you lower interest rates, yes, you are accommodative. You do encourage speculation and borrowing of money. When you borrow money to buy a house, you're speculating that it goes up. You're speculating that you're getting into a good time. You're speculating that you're going to be able to sell it to someone down the road. You're speculating that you're going to be able to give it to your kids or turn it into a rental. And as rates go lower, people more people will speculate. Same thing with corporations, not just people. So the conundrum is mom and dad who have enough to retire, and they're retired, and they have enough cash to live off of, they want their cash to make a little bit more money. When interest rates are at zero, that's not good enough. I remember being a kid and remember the first time I bought a CD, and I was getting like 6% yield. And I was like, holy mackerel, this is great. This is fantastic. My $100 is going to give me a 6% yield, so I'm going to make $6 this year. And then if I, my $100 and my 100 becomes 106 the next year I could keep it in a, a CD. And my $6, which is a little teeny tiny little baby of my $100, can kick off its own interest yield of 60 cents. And I did nothing. I just sat there and I did nothing. I pulled out the money rake. So remain calm. The 10-year treasury is under 1%. tells me something likely is going to happen. But last night, Biden stormed into the race. Bloomberg stalled likely out of the race. I'm not making political commentary. But today, it looks like Wall Street's saying, you know what? We weren't that impressed with the Fed. They left something unsaid. How did things go bad in six days? So we shot first and asked questions later. Now, today, it looks like the market's going to open up big with the concept, with the premise, with the idea that suddenly we have a race in the presidency, and it's not four more years of Trump or four years of Bernie Sanders. It was pretty entertaining last night watching the Super Tuesday results, depending on what station you watch. Um, I believe that we're kind of in a two-party system. California has a different two-party system. And it's so tough to put people into your Republican or Democrat because the strategists were like, oh, you're a weak Democrat or, oh, you're a strong Republican kind of thing. Um, But like Australia's got 19. Last time I saw it, they had 19 political parties. Why do we have two? Two. And in California, it's not Republicans and Democrats. It's Democrats and liberals for the most part. You can find a Republican down in Southern California, but Central California, but they're tougher to find. And what I saw last night was the liberals hate the Democrats, and the Democrats kind of hate the liberals. And that's the whole fight right now with Bernie versus the middle, Biden versus the moderate Republican with some Democrat tendencies or whatever you want to say about Bloomberg. Again, I'm not a politician. And with him, you get more moderate. And I think Wall Street likes moderation and moderation, and they kind of want the middle candidate. But we'll see. It's too early to tell. And if he's electable or not. I say I don't even know if it's a head fake. Maybe it's saying, oh, this is good news for Trump. Maybe Bernie could have beat him. I don't, see, I don't even know. 
And again, I'm not saying anything about any political candidates. Not my business, not my shows. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, Dow futures this morning are jumping as investors weigh the Biden resurgence. Efforts to guard economies against the coronavirus are in the news. Today, tomorrow, well, today we're going to get some first-time unemployment numbers. Um, ADP today, first-time unemployment tomorrow, and then, boom, the big one is Friday, the jobs report. A lot of people think that the Fed cut rates kind of 72 hours, 100 hours after they said they won it, because maybe they started seeing some of the data on the jobs. I think that's a, that's a little too conspiracy theory for me. Keep in mind, I believe in Bigfoot. I saw him once. I know you're saying punchline. The big hairy guy on, in, on a beach in New Jersey. He was walking really slow and hunched over. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If you have any questions today, you can call and ask. We'll hit a variety of topics today, um, including stocks and how they're performing and some of the stocks that have looked pretty attractive as of late. Um, I like using weakness to buy strength. I like using weakness to jettison losers. I like using weakness to take those losers out of a portfolio and replace them with stocks you've always wanted to own. Real simple example of that is I think Visa is a great name. And again, you may or may not consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. But if you have something like a bank stock like a Wells Fargo that's just not quite getting the traction, maybe now's the time to make your switch. Check me out at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I grew up with a healthy understanding of a bookie and Wall Street, you know, a bookie and sports, and you can bet on sports. You can kind of bet on who's going to be the president in Vegas as well. And uh, this gets into a political conversation. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Uh, Mr. Burton, we knew 2020 was an election year, but I don't think a lot of people really realized it, it, like how subtle some of the candidates could affect Wall Street in a dramatic way. Just a little subtle speech can push Wall Street around. Any thoughts on the political season as it's unfolding? Uh, well, you know, I think that you'll still have, I mean, no matter what happens, a divided Congress. So I think that you can kind of say, okay, well, these tax breaks are going to be with us here through 2026, and then the personal tax cuts automatically expire where the corporate tax cuts stay where they are. Um, so, you know, the, any tax change is only permanent until they change it again. Um, it, it's it's it, Regardless of how you're affiliated politically, the market does not like the idea of a Bernie Sanders being elected as president. Um, it, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's going to kind of help create a little bit more uncertainty when we already have this situation with the coronavirus. So that's kind of why people are you know, a little bit afraid right now, Rob. I mean, the news can sometimes be daunting. But we talked about this also last year in about October when the news of the Fed's going to start raising rates and the trade war is is going badly. And then the market dropped 20% almost from its highs. Um, and the market's actually holding up better now than it did this that period in you know September of 2018 to December of 2018 
and the virus is a much bigger deal. So it's it's definitely being pretty resilient despite the news that's out there. Um, Do you think the markets are holding years, up pretty well? In five years, you're not going to even remember this, right? I mean, find what's on sale and start buying. I agree with that on some levels. Um, get a little bit of feedback from you. Is there anything you want to lead with as far as content? So we don't have to banter back and forth with feedback. Um, well, I think it's just a matter of um, there's a couple of things that you have to worry about now. So uh, Professor Siegel, um, you know, he's kind of the guy over there at Wisdom Tree, was talking about how we manage retirement portfolios going forward because the old way was a 60-40 stock bond portfolio would get you through retirement if you drew 4% or less starting at age 65. And that already changed because bond rates had fallen. And you just it means you just need more money. And a, at a better idea of a draw rate at age 65 was being able to live 3% of your portfolio, 3.5% of your portfolio at 65. Well, now if you want to get those returns, you're going to have to do more like a 75-25 because you have these value ETFs and stock funds that are yielding 25 to 3% where the 10-year treasury is yielding a 1%, and a lot of your bond funds, unless they have way too much risk them, in them, are yielding 25 to 3%. So that means people are going to have to get a, a little bit better at dealing with volatility and realizing that the market tends to give you double-digit returns on the upside. When it's negative, it tends to be negative 13%. And um, realize that you're still collecting dividends in the meantime, and when the market does go off, you trim some of your shares to rebalance the cash that you have. So these types of situations is why I constantly preach the idea you have to have the proper amount of safe money. And that's you know 6 to 12 months of expenses when you're building wealth. If you're in sales and you're constantly jumping jobs, maybe that's 12 months worth of household expenses in cash. But once you get five years from retirement, you should have three years of what your projected portfolio draws are going to be in cash. Because if you have that and you have a good amount of dividends and interest coming from your portfolio, those dividends and interest, those those at income, you can still send that right to your checking account and spend that money even if the market happens to be down 20% because of a recession. It'll eventually rebound, and then you'll be able to start selling shares and peeling those gains off the table. Um, but you have to be patient. Realize the market can be volatile, and people forgot that because we just went nearly straight up for 10 years. And uh, now a big one, Rob, I think is you're 50, and you're looking at your portfolio, and your bonds just went up in value. Your, your stocks went down a little bit. Not much because, like I said, we're only down about 6% for the year so far, but your bonds have rallied a lot. And so typically, you're going to sell those bonds and buy stocks. If you don't have the stomach to do that, maybe you sell some bonds, and if it's not, not in a retirement account, but in a taxable account, maybe you sell some bonds and pay down or pay off your mortgage or pay it down and refinance it to a 15-year. Because if you have no mortgage now at the date of retirement, that's, more, that's less outflow that you have from your portfolio. That means less safe money that you'll need. The other thing that you could look at doing, though, is if you're 40, 50 years old, you could also say, okay, yeah, real estate prices are really high right now, right? They're due for a correction at some point. But if you're going to own it for 15, 20, 30 years, and you can take you know, 30, 40% down and maybe 50% down on a rental property and do a 15-year mortgage that's paid off at the date that you want to retire, that income is likely going to be much better than any bonds you're going to buy in the next five years. So... It depends on are you building wealth and you're still trying to accumulate. Use that 15-year and 30-year loan 
to do that, realizing that there's going to be a point where you're going to regret the price that you paid for the real estate, but 15, 20, 30 years later, you're, you're, you're going to be fine because prices will recover and the income will be pretty decent. Um, but again, if people get into that idea of real estate because mortgage rates are low, that, that initial test that I always use is if you're going to put 30% down on a traditional 30-year mortgage and, and rent the thing out, make sure you have positive cash flow after taxes, insurance, setting aside a certain amount for maintenance, and paying a property manager. If you can't get some positive cash flow, then it's a bad deal. And maybe you use 50% down on a 15-year, if you're 50 and you're retiring at 65, and use kind of that same analysis, if that makes sense. So you, you still don't want to you know, shop for a bad deal. People can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. We've got about a minute left. Any final thoughts that you want to pass on? And again, it doesn't have to be big picture. It could be something kind of nice, like refinancing your mortgage saves you cash flow. Like There's positives in here. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that I would say is that great time to you've got until April fifteenth to be funding your IRAs and Roth IRAs for twenty nineteen. Get that done. You know, markets on sale and look for asset classes that are on sale more than others, like large and small cap value and emerging markets, um, because those accounts are going to be your long term accounts. And um, just get a shopping list ready versus the idea of I got to get back out and then figure out how to get back in. That's the big key to these things. Sounds good. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a team of financial planners that are prepared and ready to take on some new clients. It is a good time to be looking at your portfolio when there is drama, but to look at it with calm eyes. To look at it is, are you on the road to retirement? Where are you as far as your posts go? A friend of mine at Cron TV yesterday said to me, hey, I'm turning 50. I'm going to Mexico for my birthday. I hope I don't get stuck there. I'm like, how much you got saved? Like, I didn't even want to talk Mexico and coronavirus with them. And uh, it is what it is. You can find me at robblackshow.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Markets are shifting from a market that was melting up to a market that was introduced volatility. Maybe largely due because of the coronavirus. Maybe a little bit with 2020 elections. It is what it is at this point in time to talk about the shifting markets. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Briefing.com has a full staff dedicated to research on domestic and international business issues. You can learn more at Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Well, hello, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. The news these days is is perilous. A lot going on. The Fed, they shot yesterday and Wall Street didn't like it. But maybe they like the results of Super Tuesday. A lot of tea leaves to read. What can you help us with, sir? Well, I think you, you did hit the nail on the head, Rob. There are a lot of tea leaves to read, and they kind of have conflicting signals emanating out of these capital markets. Um, you know, you have a stock market this morning that looks like it's you know looking pretty good, uh, but at the same time, you have a treasury market that continues to look 
really good. Um, so, you know, those two elements just don't jive really. And I think that uh, it's a case right now, anyway, there's a tale of two markets and that the stock market seems to be talking politics and the treasury market seems to be talking uh, growth and coronavirus issues. Uh, and, you know, one of the two are going to win out. And probably I think the treasury market's going to, you know, really hold the key here in terms of whether this uh, stock market rebound is sustainable. Here's how crazy the news is. Bloomberg just dropped out and endorsed Biden. What do you think is going to happen to Wall Street on that news? It's <laughs> it's well, betting in real time, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So, you know, as, as we've talked many times before on your show, you know, we don't really – we don't take political sides at briefing.com. We, we analyze things from an objective standpoint. So really, um, I say that as a caveat to say I'm not talking anyone's politics here, um, but I'm just really as a market analyst trying to read market psychology. And so uh, with uh, you know Mr. Biden's uh, success in the Super Tuesday primaries and his emergence now as the front runner on the Democratic side, I think that the market has seen that as a source of relief uh, in that he, uh, you know, certainly uh, seen as a a, uh, a more market friendly candidate than Mr. Sanders is, and certainly more friendly toward uh, toward the managed care industry, and that's being you know reflected fully in in a lot of those stocks like United Health. Uh, this morning, and um, so, but you know, then the question becomes: um, Okay, well, if you assume that Mr. Biden does ultimately get the nomination, uh, and he would be pitted against President Trump, well, the market itself seems to have said from the very beginning, uh, you know, that it leans in favor of Mr. Trump, who's um, regarded as the most market-friendly candidate. But uh, so it makes you wonder if, you know, market ultimately comes back around to the idea that if Mr. Biden can, in fact, beat Mr. Trump, does it get worried again about what that means for the stock market's prospects? It's a, it's a whole, you know, convoluted uh, scenario planning. But um, but for the moment, anyway, uh, you can certainly see in the behavior of the managed care stocks that uh, the stock market seems to like the implications on the Democratic side of what's unfolded recently coming out of those uh, those primaries. One of the areas that when I have an expert, I try to like corner them. One of the areas that concerns me is the 10-year Treasury under 1%. Today it cracked under 1%. And honestly, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, well, I'll ever see that in my lifetime, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd say no. That's kind of a third world country thing. That's not a U.S. issue. That's not, we are, we're stronger than that. So that's alarming to me. Um, is it alarming to you that the 10 years sitting under 1%? It's sitting at 0.975 right now. Well, I think it's I think it's telling. Um, okay, you know that uh, in this in this new era we live in, in terms of uh, you know what central banks are doing to uh, suppress rates to try to stimulate growth, and um, you know at the end of the day, I mean you still have uh, you know rates here in in the U.S. that are higher than. You know, a lot of uh, rates you're seeing in other sovereign bond markets around the world. I mean, the, the German boon was, you know, I think trading at minus zero point six percent. The Japanese government bond down close to minus two percent, zero point two percent, right? So, um, so you still continue to have this interest rate differential factor that looms large here that could continue to apply. Uh, some downward pressure on yields in the treasury market, uh, you know, on that that quote relative value trade, but um, but it, you know it, it seems to be a little bit alarming. I would agree with you that 
um, people are still interested in holding 10-year paper yielding less than 1%, which if you look at you know the inflation rate right now of roughly 1.6, 1.7%, according to the PCE price index, I mean, your real rate return there is negative. So um, it's not you know, turning out to be a super inflation hedge. Um, and it can be uh, very dangerous, certainly, for uh, those market participants who are simply chasing uh, yield, chasing performance here, and uh, and could get burned if they have no intention of, you know, holding that uh, maturity to, uh, uh, that security to maturity, because they do run the risk of, of losing principal there. I'm trying to put a finger on everything that I can and try to get as much information out. I think also the tenure is concerning to me because, like you said, why would people settle for that low rate of return other than fear? But on top of it, we are going to see earnings cuts. We've already seen earnings cuts. I think we were melting up a little bit on the assumption of earnings would it would be better year over year. But shouldn't we be going sideways to maybe down if earnings is our story and our only focus? Isn't that going to be a negative for the next 12 months of earnings reductions and PEs on the markets looking unfavorable or less favorable? Right. I think, um, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a sense, Rob, that, you know, as we get to the end of this interview, you're going to ask me the same question you always ask me, and what, what is it that I'm working on for the big picture? <laughs> <I> right? <laughs> I'm predictable. And, uh, and, uh, and you're pretty much, you know, you're right in the wheelhouse of what I am going to be working on, you know, as we talk about. Uh, PE ratios and um, and earnings estimates, right? Um, you know, earnings estimates are clearly at risk here. You know, we've seen an early round, um, but mostly those warnings have been tied to what happened in China. And uh, as this virus continues to spread, and and whether you kind of agree with the containment efforts or not. Um, um, you're going to see more earnings warnings coming out here because it's just becoming more prevalent to sort of uh, stay closer to home, you know, restricting travel, gatherings to large public places, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why as you look at the P.E. ratio as seemingly, you know, looking better than it did a few weeks ago at, say, 17 times forward 12-month earnings versus 19 times forward 12-month earnings, you know, you can't really accept that as a static measure uh, because you would be basically basing that, uh, notion of valuation on the idea that the E and the PE ratio is going to hold static, and and that's not really the case. So you might see 17 times on a forward multiple right now, but analysts haven't caught up yet to cut their estimates. So that 17 may in fact be 19 times, you know, when it's all said and done. So um, because of that uncertainty there and the inability to forecast where where earnings are going because of the coronavirus, I think you're going to continue to see this great volatility in the market as you know as investors try to uh, get a good handle on you know what ultimately is a fair value to step in here and buy this weakness. Good stuff. Is there anything else that you want to hit, or did you just hit it all? Uh, I, I, I think I just hit it all. I'm sorry to have stolen your, your, your thunder on the last question there. But oh, no, no, guess, no. You know, <laughs> I just do think that uh, you know the market right now is really uh, is it, going to stay volatile here in the near term, and that easy money and easy multiple expansion you saw in 2019 is, is going to be increasingly harder to come by here. Good stuff. I super appreciate it. Get back to work. There's a lot to focus on, and you're doing a great job of explaining to people uh, who subscribe to Briefing.com. It's it's such a good uh, news feed. So, for instance, Michael Bloomberg is going to endorse Joe Biden following suspension of his campaign. Later today, there may be a little bit more extrapolation on that. Senator Elizabeth Warren is currently reassessing her campaign following Super Tuesday results. 
Um, so you're seeing the overall markets react in real time. And there is no better source of real-time information dissemination than briefing.com. And I say that it's not in it. It's, it's a personal endorsement. I don't get a penny for doing it, um, nor would I want it because I like the service that much. So Bank of Canada lowered its target for overnight rate by 50 basis points. Steve Mnuchin is out for the United States Treasury, and he's saying, you know, what the Fed did yesterday was preemptive. Now, again, interest rate cuts don't work into the system for four to six months. So Canada's doing it. You're going to see more global banks um, try to stimulate economies through monetary policy. I hate that. I want to be stimulated for other reasons. I don't want monetary policy to be it. How about we come up with initiative? Let's go to the moon. And uh, I watched First Man the other day. It's leaving HBO or something like that. And you learn about the space program and like how many millions and millions of dollars we put into. Can we get a rocket in space? Can we get a monkey into space? Can we get a monkey into space and back down to space? Can we get a monkey to dock with another spaceship in space? Um, crazy. But we need that kind of initiative right now in America as far as economic development goes. The Internet carried us. From the mid-90s to, I guess you could say, 2010. Just the, let's buy equipment. Let's buy faster equipment. Let's buy faster, faster equipment. Let's send video through. Oh, no, our old equipment doesn't work. We need, 5G is going to be cute. It ain't going to be a a total game changer as far as things that we could rally behind. We need a big uh, infrastructure bill, improve our roads and our airports, um, put people to work, so to speak create some taxes in the process, use some tax money to create some tax money. Anyhow, a lot of good information at briefing.com, a lot of good information here. Uh, CFP Chad Burton's got a great webpage, newfocusfinancial.com, where you can subscribe to his podcast and or get some great downloadables. I highly recommend you educate yourself so that when there are times where like, what's going on? You don't freak out. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Take a break here. Be right back in uno momento. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Every now and then we play a song from my collection that I dig. This is one of them. It's Arcade Fire. Canadian indie rock. I like all things Canadian. Maple syrup especially. But this song talks a little bit about... um, Materialism. I'll be honest with you, as a 20-year-old man, I didn't get the concept. Then when you have kids, you're like, I should cut down on all this crap. And then you have friends who've got all these plastic toys, and oof, I'm not about materialism anymore. I wear one pair of jeans, typically a lot. I wear a hoodie, typically a lot. Keep it real simple. Keep it simple stupid. I invest every two weeks in a 401k. I could write this down for you on the simplest things that you need to do. When you get a spouse, you get term life insurance. If one spouse needs the other spouse's income, you get it for 20 years. And the best example that I have with that is my uh, one of my grandfathers and his wife moved to California, you know, 65, 70 years ago and bought a orchard in Southern California, an avocado orchard. And 
it just happened to be on oil land and they put an oil well on it and they had an orchard and he invested on a regular basis, bought some real estate, bought some other things. Um, after 20 years, his income wasn't important because they had an oil well kicking off income. They had a farm kicking off income. But for the first 20 years where he's paying the mortgage on the farm, it was darn important that he keep his health as well as keep his, you know, his cash flow coming in for his family. Investing's not that difficult. Money's not that difficult. We make it more difficult. Term life will protect you for 20 years or 30 years, whatever term that you're going to be working where other people need you. But then we mess it up by coming up with variable life insurance and whole life insurance. Trash product. Now, I can make a case for whole life if you're super wealthy and you want to give money to a charity. I can make a case for it. When you're 70 years old and you're 10 years from dying, you may go to Stanford University and say, I got $20 million, but I want my family to get that. And they'll say, we'll buy a $20 million life insurance policy on you and you can gift that to us. Well, isn't it expensive to buy life insurance on a 70-year-old man? It is. But they can get their return on investment if you die sooner than later. So I think Wall Street just comes up with bad product and it confuses people. Wall Street works. I'm not stressed in any way, shape, or form about this correction. Probably your first correction is your worst correction. And then you start getting through your first recession is your worst recession. My first recession, I was freaked out of my mind. I loved it because the first really, really big one, um, 2000-ish, and it was a tech recession, maybe not a whole U.S. recession. Maybe it wasn't like the, the blue steel, blue-collar steel workers weren't losing jobs. They had already been lost. But when we went in 2000, NASDAQ just kept going higher, 92, 93, 90. Tech stocks higher, 95, 96. Tech stocks in 97, 98. Tech stocks in 99. It's like a lot. Does that sound familiar? The last nine years, 10 years on the stock market up with very little correction? Same thing with the 90s, up for technology with very little correction. Then when it hit, it, it sucked, 2000, 2001, 2002. And we never felt like it was going to come back, but it did come back. The people who lost were the people who sold. The people who lost were the people who gambled. It's not that difficult. Again, did it all come back? No. That's why individual stocks are risky. You know, HP once was a darling of Wall Street. Dell once was a darling of Wall Street. They're not darlings anymore. Torches have been passed. It's Salesforce, Microsoft. Ooh, Microsoft kept the torch. For a period of time, it looked like Microsoft may pass the torch. But they kept it. They had an installed user base. So we make this much more difficult than it is. And yeah, I get capitalism has some flaws. Joseph Schumpeter, my favorite economist, once said capitalism... Um, is creative destruction. Now, I know you're saying you've got a fa- favorite economist. Kind of do. Um, but I think you should educate yourself as much as you can so that when you see business cycles, you don't feel terrible about them. Creative destruction, the cyclical process by which the system eliminates the people and institutions which are mentally too vulnerable for useful economic service. When I repeat that, that sounds worse than it is. Creative destruction. The cyclical process by which the system eliminates the people and institutions which are mentally too vulnerable for useful economic service. 
Do you hear why politicians and, and mothers across the country scream about better education? Because capitalism is eliminating the people and institutions which are too vulnerable for useful economic service. It stinks. The days of going and doing a simple job may be gone. You could take a look at textile industry. Massive, rapid, rapid, rapid adoption in the um, 1770s. And then went down. Railway, massive adoption in 1825. So who killed railways? Cars. Autos, massive growth in 1886. Trains, 1825. Cars, 1886. Computers, 1939. And at some point in time, computers will become dull to us. I think they already have. The next big wave of the Industrial Revolution turns into Industrial Evolution with distributed intelligence and nanotechnology. At the heart of capitalism is creative destruction. And I get it. You should study business cycles. You should get comfortable. So we make it much more difficult than we need to. The Fed cutting rates, the Fed raising rates, buy great companies, buy great indexes, buy capitalism. Yes, there will be a stinker along the way like an HP. Some people would call those fallen angels. I don't know. You can't protect yourself 100%. That's why individual stocks have higher reward, but also higher risk on the downside. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. There's some great apps out there like Credit Karma. A lot of refinances going on. Get educated.